Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column for the woman who desires to deepen and beautify her inner world. Every week, we'll answer a letter from listeners just like you, who are looking for insight and wisdom on the most pressing questions in their story right now. Make sure to stay with us until the end to hear our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower, a podcast for the woman with a deep inner world. I'm your host, Keely Clarkson. I'm an actress, writer, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and newly minted doctor, a food blogger, tea drinker, and plant-based entrepreneur. We want to thank each and every person for joining us today, wherever this might find you. We hope that you are staying warm as this uh, winter weather really starts to roll in. And we'll be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we will recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our thorn, something that left us feeling dry or depleted or frustrated this week, and finishing off with our rose, something that fostered our inner world, brought us joy, or built us up. So, Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? I feel like my week actually hasn't been too thorny, and I'm really grateful for that. But I think if I can go off of your introduction of the cold, I think rather than being left dry and depleted, I feel chilly. Um, (laughs) Though the cold weather has definitely set in here in Colorado, at least for the couple of days. You know, it's interesting. You look at the forecast and the snow is going to thaw next week. So, um, you never really know what you're going to get, but I feel like when it's cold here, my, my feet end up being cold most of the day if I'm at home. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of just one thing that I just go through in the fall and winter. And then, um, I feel like, especially if I'm outside or in the car, I'm like hunching up my shoulders, kind of wearing Mm -hmm. my shoulders like earrings. And I know that's terrible (laughs) for my, my posture and potentially getting headaches and that kind of thing. So I've got to be Mm -hmm. a lot more intentional about keeping myself moving and, and, and my shoulders and neck all loose and everything. So, um, it's very easy just to sit under a cozy blanket and not move and to remind myself to, to move around. Um, but aside from the cold, I say, uh, my rose would be just before the cold swept in this last week for us, we had a nice mild day where my husband and I just took time to, to chill around the house and, um, do whatever, you know, just, I've been making this delicious um, pumpkin pie dip lately, oh. and I've also been finding like lots of fun, creative ways to use it. So we started that that morning with um, I made French toast, and then I topped it with that pumpkin pie dip, and then put this homemade granola on it. And so mm. just all these fun flavors and textures. And then we got outside for a walk, and we threw a frisbee. And uh, I think probably in the afternoon we had a tea time, and you know just connecting over good conversation. So just having a lovely day with no particular agenda and just kind of doing what we wanted to. And it's just very restful and very fun. That sounds absolutely incredible. Wow. Well, my thorn um, this week is, you know, I actually don't have anything to complain about this week. Interestingly, it's been um, a really nice and, and restful week as, you know, these these weeks leading up to the the end of the year normally are. And so, 
you know, really there's just been no room for thorniness, which is um, just a blessing that I'll take. But my rose, so when we're recording this podcast, it's just a little while after Thanksgiving. Um, I realize that when this comes out, Thanksgiving will be a couple weeks ago. But I'm going to go ahead and say that my rose was that um, we had a lovely Thanksgiving, um, just my husband and I, but we had a little feast of turkey and potatoes and peas. And perhaps one of my favorite things, this is actually my first time having this for dessert. Um, We had wanted to get like a half pie, but I couldn't find any at the store. And so I just decided to get um, pecan, no, but oh, butter pecan ice cream. That that's how it goes. Uh, and it was my first time having butter pecan ice oh, cream. That's funny. <laughs> I I'm, apparently I have not had that many ice cream flavors as I think about it. And so w- the rose is that it is now up there as like one of my favorites in the world. I love pistachio, and now I love butter pecan. Um, and so that was just a, a lovely rose to discover a new favorite ice cream flavor. That's so funny to me because my my grandmother used to keep butter pecan in the freezer. So I thought of it as like old old people's ice cream. And then <laughs> maybe it is. Then when I hit high school, I actually like fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. Why have yeah. I been, you know, thinking that, you know, it's like eating prunes or something, which now, you know, prunes, if you call them dried plums, they're 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 delightful. But um it's funny to me that like you just discovered it. That's delightful. Yeah. No, I mean I had always just been like a more of like a plain vanilla or pistachio girl Mm -hmm. I didn't really really branch out that much and so I was really happy to discover a new favorite thing this week all right so just a couple of things before we move on to our letter if you've been enjoying this podcast please consider leaving us a review it helps to boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it maybe they would identify with the letter and make sure to share with a friend And lastly, we'd love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would be honored to have the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of loving your family, a difficult family, in the midst of the holiday season. Dear Wallflower, the holidays are a time when we know we're going to see family more than usual. For a lot of people I know, this is a good thing. For me, it's stressful. I've always wished that I had a, quote, perfect family. The kind that gets along and loves each other and always wants to be together. But that's not the kind of family I have. We are not that close. And I often feel like I can't really be myself around them. I find myself getting frustrated with them for not living up to that ideal I have in my mind. I know this is unfair, but I also can't rid myself of these desires. How do I get along with my family while wishing they were different? How do I love them? How do I accept them? From hoping for happy holidays. Jessica, what are your thoughts for hoping for happy holidays? I'm so sorry to hear that prepping to see your family for the holidays is stressful. Um, Know that you're not alone. And even when you think about others for whom this seems to be a good thing, you know, you're saying seeing their families, they really love to see each other, et cetera. uh, There's probably a bit of stress mixed in for all of them. So I want to normalize that and just tell you, take heart. There is no perfect family and everybody's going to have some mixture of, of stress in with their, with their delight. 
That being said, I can see that our writer is particularly concerned with this question of how to get along with her family while wishing they were different. Mm -hmm. She desires to love and accept them as they are while holding the very real tension of struggling to do these things. Our writer also shares that she often feels like she can't be herself around her family. That must be so draining. Mm -hmm. I can understand the feeling of not being able to share all of who you are and what really drives you in life. Um, It could feel like you're putting up a sort of front in order to keep things congenial or simply in order to feel like you're connecting with people. So again, I'm sorry that this is your experience. It's, It's a tough thing to go through. And to be honest, we can't give you advice that's just going to make it go away. You know, it is going to be a difficult thing to go through. But I want our writer to know that we hear you and we see you. And once again, you are not alone in this. The question at the heart of hoping for Happy Holidays letter is, how do we live with the tension of having desires for something else while living in the midst of what is at the present Mm -hmm. time? And that could be extra, extra difficult at the holidays, I think, when we see other people and how they go about their holidays. Are we watching movies and things are painted in a certain way? It can bring up a lot of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a few pieces of advice to offer here, some for her internal world and then some for interactions with her family. So first, I'll start with some for her heart and uh, her attitude and posture. So I'd say first, remind yourself and try to focus on what you do or can admire about your family. As much as you might want to change in your family dynamics, how things are done or even who they are, take time to reflect on what you appreciate. Fix your gaze and turn your posture in a direction of admiration and gratitude if you can. This may be difficult, but it can be the little things that help you see a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. For example, maybe you're really frustrated with the family Um, the way that your family does things on the fly and doesn't really make plans. On the other hand, however, maybe your family is really good at having fun, not making a big deal about the little things. Uh, So this idea of like, oh, don't cry over spilled milk, you know, like maybe they're really good at living that out and uh, laughing things off and focusing instead on having a good time. And you can appreciate that about them. I don't know what these things are for you and your family, But I have personally found that it could be so helpful to fix my thoughts on what I can admire about someone or a group of people rather than dwelling on what is most frustrating. Mm. Um, This next one's a bit more difficult, but remember that you are not perfect either. It can be really humbling to consider what about us may be challenging for our family members. So this idea of kind of putting yourself in their shoes, flipping the narrative, et cetera. Um, an example, I think, for my, for myself is while I genuinely feel like I have a lot of good ideas, I often can end up comporting myself as if my ways are always the best, kind of this my way or the highway, or I have to speak up about everything and share my opinion <laughs> just because I have one. And I imagine that's probably annoying to people, at least at a certain point. You know, there gets to be this time where maybe there's family banter and you just kind of get into habits of speech that are deeply ingrained, but when we take our, you know, step back and reflect on, okay, wow, but what did I just say, you know, in that last conversation, was that really mm-hmm. necessary? How might that have made this other person feel? Or maybe the fact that I shared my opinion m- meant that they felt like they didn't 
that their idea wasn't a good one. You know, so it might be that I'm coming from a place of, oh, well, I, I've done this before and this worked for me or whatever. And the other person might think, oh, I, I, I must not have something valuable to offer. So it, I think it's helpful to realize that there are different ways of uh, people might respond to the ways that we bring ourselves to to a situation. That's such a good point because I think, and this is so natural, you know, when we have um, a group of people, our family more often than not, that we have a lot of um, issues with, bones to pick with, um, it's so natural to look at, well, my mom always does this and my brother always does this and they're just always wrong, they're always this, they're always that. And we're not thinking about what is it that I always do that ends up creating this situation, this this fight that we have every year, or this um, you know, slamming doors that, or we're just you know, okay, we're not going to talk about this anymore that we have every year. Did I do anything to contribute to this? And is there something that I can maybe just take a step back from this particular? Um, you know, like, like Jessica said, you know, giving my opinion on this, maybe I don't need to give my opinion on this, or maybe I can just remove myself from the situation and not potentially make things worse. That's a really, really good point. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and to move on then to a couple of practical tips for action and for speech, you know, when she's with her family, one thing I would say is to figure out where and how to set healthy boundaries. So we all need healthy boundaries. And we've talked about this a lot of times, but it has all these different ways of coming into life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We all need healthy boundaries in order to be healthy people. And this notion of differentiation, you know, knowing where you end and the other person begins is key to having healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So part of that is physical boundaries. Make sure that you have some time alone to decompress from any buildup of frustration And also consider what way or ways will help you decompress. So, you know, will you call a friend? Will you journal? Maybe you'll sit in silent prayer or get outside for a walk if if that's possible. Um, I think it's important to take opportunities to let that stress kind of roll off and take that time for reflection. And again, maybe if you're, if you're, having a person to call or even the idea of a prayer or journaling can help you process through what happened. And if you, okay, what can I try again later today or tomorrow in terms mm-hmm. of how things are going, etc. And also I'd say, consider if you need to set boundaries around certain activities or types of conversation. Yeah. So if there are things that have historically been really difficult for you and you know that if you're in a particular circumstance that you're going to have a harder time, maybe controlling your temper or, just not um, building up frustration in a way that's going to make you harder to be around for the rest of the day, there may be opportunities for you to um, ask not, not to be a part of something or, or just, you know, plan ahead for doing something different or uh, avoiding certain conversations or even having certain ideas of how you might respond to a particular question that can be a gracious response, but also, be a clear way of stating, you know, I'm not going to go further. I'm not going to expand further on this topic. I'm not interested in talking about this more. So that might take some preparation, but I think it's well, well worth preparing in advance for how, how you might handle those times. 
Then related to considering what you can admire about your family, what I had mentioned earlier, as far as putting something into practice, I would say put that into words if you can. So when you're interacting with your family and you're remembering things that you have reminded yourself, oh, I can admire this about them. This is something I really appreciate about the way that they are, what they do, or what they're good at. Um, I think it's remarkable what taking steps to put these thoughts into spoken words can do for your heart posture and for your relationship with those people. So that is one additional thing I would say. And then if there are things that frustrate you or stress you out that you can potentially mitigate to some extent by taking proactive action, I would say see what kind of steps that you might take to help to head off difficulty ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So um, to use a similar example as I did before, let's say your family doesn't plan ahead very well. Maybe you can take it upon yourself to ask questions early enough to get the conversation started and, and maybe even be part of whatever that solution might be. So for instance, you might say, what were you thinking we might make for Christmas brunch? You know, maybe it's historically your family decides that like one or two days ahead or even the morning of, I, I don't know, that's not something <laughs> I'm used to. So it's hard for me to imagine that, but I, 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 I bet that's the case for some people. You might ask a week or two in advance, maybe before you even travel to see family or whatever your circumstances, um, you can offer to help plan or to help shop, to help make some of the food, um, just, you know, things that would help to, you know, you can't change who those people are, but help helping to bring the experience closer to maybe whatever the ideal is that you're holding. Mm -hmm. I'd say the key here is not to be driven just by wanting to control the situation or the outcome. I would um, encourage our writer and anyone listening to keep the focused um, on like wishing to help everyone have a lovely holiday rather than simply wanting to control or to change people. So mm-hmm. stepping in and, and, and being a servant and, and helping and doing it out of, out of love. So I want to tie off my advice by saying, don't give up hope for change. I think that there's still hope that people can change. Change indeed often comes very slowly if it comes at all, but that doesn't mean that things can't or won't ever change. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will be invited to be a part of that journey with others, and sometimes you're not going to be a part of it. It might be their own experiences with other people in their lives that help to bring about certain kinds of change. So again, like I think it it can take um, creative imagination and ideas to think about how you can proactively step into your family and be an active part of a solution that you hope to see. But at the same time, um, it can be really frustrating if you're just trying to make something happen and there's not receptivity. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, keep keep your hope alive, but also, um, you know, manage manage those expectations appropriately. Yeah, Keely, I'm curious to hear what your advice is. Well, first, I just want to say um, my heart really goes out to this writer because this time of year can bring about a lot of feelings that have stayed buried or hidden. And sometimes those feelings are ones of fondness that we forgot about, you know, Um, thankfulness for the people in our life, a new, you know, uh, joy to have them. And so that's a positive thing. But then for others, 
like our writer, the feelings that this time of year will stir up are a little bit more painful and hard and saddening. And what I want to affirm is that our writer's longing to have a a deeper and more loving connection with her family is a good desire. God created us to want to have that connection with our family. This desire doesn't exist by accident. It's the natural way of things. It's the ideal. It's what should be, right? But because we live in a broken world, what we know to be the ideal and the way things ought to be will not necessarily be what we encounter. Our real-life experiences won't match up with what we were created to desire always. Mm. And this is a really painful and difficult thing to accept that I think takes a long time to really work on on accepting. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a, okay, I, you know, I accepted. I, I understand now. I signed off. I don't think that's how it works. But I think the first step in our writer and, and maybe others who might be struggling with their own family and, and figuring out a way forward, you know, as we approach um, uh, Christmas and New Year's and all these, you know, times of togetherness. Um, so I think that might be the first step is thinking, okay, this is a broken world. What my family is like is not necessarily what should be. And now that I've set the stage with that, um, I'm going to go into a, a few thoughts that I had while I read this letter. So first I noticed that a writer compares her family to other families, just like we all do, by the way. And while there is probably some amount of truth to the happiness that she sees in other families, and there are no doubt really wonderful families that people are so lucky to be part of, what she doesn't see is all of their own issues. Mm -hmm. They have fights behind the scenes. They have touchy subjects that they've said, okay, we're not going to go into this. They have things that they don't quite connect over or understand about about one another. Um, We don't know the inner workings of other families. And so while it's normal to see another family and feel maybe jealous, um, we can't take that family's exterior appearance and compare it to our family's interior appearance. Mm -hmm. And the next thought I had um, while I read this letter is that while we can attempt to bring up our issues with our own family, and, you know, Jessica had a lot of wonderful advice about that, And I think it's a good thing to have that hope of, you know, maybe we can talk about this and work this out. Um, I do think, ultimately, it's wise to accept the limitations of the people in our lives. And this really goes for every relationship, you know, because we're going to have relationships with people that no one is going to be perfect, right? No one is going to give us exactly what we need. But in this case, It's about accepting the fact that there are things that our family will be able to give us and there are things that they will not be able to give us. Um, And I don't think it's easy to do this. You know, we'll always have that innate understanding of what it should be and what our family should be like. And, um, but when we get stuck in this cycle of, well, why aren't they living up to that? That's only going to breed bitterness and resentment. And when we continue to focus on what they're supposed to be doing rather than, you know, what is within the realm of possibility, this is just going to continue to build hard feelings. 
Um, and so I think, you know, a way that is really helpful for me to think about it is when you go to a Mexican restaurant, you don't expect that you're going to be able to order noodles <laughs> because that's <laughs> not what's on the menu. <laughs> and so we might want noodles. Noodles might be really good to us. But as long as we're at that restaurant, we will be ordering off the menu. And again, I, I want to reiterate that this is not the ideal, okay? In an ideal world, we would be able to come to our family and expect that, you know, what we need will be given to us and we can talk about things and, and, and fix things. In our broken world, this is not something that we can all expect. And even in those wonderful families, we won't be able to expect that nothing that our family ever does will annoy us or hurt us. So next, as I read this letter, just like Jessica already um, mentioned, the idea of boundaries came to mind. Mm. So before I go into this, I would suggest everyone read the book Boundaries. I'm forgetting the author's name. For some reason, the word cloud is coming to mind. I feel like Henry Cloud maybe is his name. But um, we've, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, and we've talked about boundaries so many times, and I have no doubt that many listeners have heard about it outside of this podcast as well. But just to be on the same page, boundaries are essentially a way of protecting our well-being in our various relationships. And they allow us to essentially say, this is how I am willing to be treated in a relationship. This is how I'm not willing to be treated in a relationship. And um, so it sounds like a writer might think about setting boundaries with her family, depending on the different issues that come up every year. And boundaries are such a healthy way to make it so that we aren't cutting people out of our life or cutting relationships off, but we're taking care of our own well-being. So this might look like, you know, calmly saying something along the lines of, hey, I love you. I want to continue to be in relationship with you, but I don't want to talk about this with you. Or I understand that you're upset, but I don't want to gossip about other family members. Boundaries aren't about controlling what the other person does, but it's about taking control of what you yourself are doing. Mm. Um, another issue that, or thought, I mean, that, that came to mind, and this is more of a long-term solution, um, for our writer's issue, even if her family can't give the kind of connection and kinship that she needs, this doesn't mean that this desire will cease to exist. It's there, and she still has these needs that she needs to have met, right? So I would advise that our writer and others in similar situations pay attention to these desires rather than trying to ignore them and deny them and to find a way to get them met by other means, so this might look like um, uh, relationships that you form with close friends or even the, the families of your friends um, or mentors or church groups or a significant other. And this isn't to say that you should get into a relationship with just anyone <laughs> just to try to like meet this need. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm saying. But that these relationships, when they are formed with the right people, have the ability to fill the buckets that we are needing to be filled and that we are not getting from our family. Um, again, it's not the ideal that we would need to rely on other relationships to offer us a kind of connection and um, comfort that a family should offer us, but it's also better for us to at least search for people who will love us rather than to do nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And 
Lastly, I would suggest that our writer takes these feelings of frustration and sadness and she gives them to God. The Book of Lamentations doesn't exist by accident. God wants us to air our grievances with him. He wants us to seek him in our frustration and to lament the brokenness of the world. So I would suggest that you really take the time before these family functions to pray and pour your heart out to God. And this isn't going to change the people in your family. You can't pray away their various things, but it's going to change you and it's going to help offer you peace in your current circumstances and help you understand that you aren't wrong for having the desire for a close family Mm -hmm. and help prepare your heart to both protect itself and offer your family grace and context. I love that you're emphasizing the goodness of desires that just because we have a desire that can't be met or may not be met at least um, doesn't mean that we should somehow see it as irrelevant or shun it but I think the response of lament is such is such a good way to recognize the goodness of the des- those desires and then the tension of, rec- of, of of the fact that we probably can't expect those things to to change or at least not immediately or in the exact way that we're hoping mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a an active way to participate in that tension and to be open about it, not to just stuff it away and just to know that God cares for us in the midst of it. And like you're saying we are transformed by that act of praying, the opening of our hands to, to tell God what, what burdens us and what hurts our hearts um, while also receiving the comfort that he can provide as a, as a result. There's something really soothing, I think, about crying out to God, even though it doesn't necessarily change our circumstances. Like you're saying, it changes us. Yeah, exactly. Because this is a a God-given desire. And again, you know, we, we can't pray away a circumstance. We can't pray our family into, you know, loving us in a way that is, is good and, and healthy, but we can change our own heart stance by drawing closer to God. Um, and, and, and just being honest with him about this, this is really, really difficult for me. Because it's difficult for him, too, is the thing. Um, so anyway, I, I hope this helped our writer and others out there who might have a family that, while they love them, they really struggle with them, um, especially as we, we are drawing closer to the holidays so very quickly. <laughs> Um, so thank you for sending in this question and, um, we hope we were able to offer some helpful thoughts. It is time now for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what's your suggestion this week? This week, I am suggesting a book, Women Working Calling by Joanna Meyer. She was our first guest ever on this podcast back on episode 10. So if you have not uh, listened to that, hop back to episode 10 and give that a listen. 
So her book just won a 2023 Reader's Choice Award through University Press. Super excited for her. And I've actually been reading this kind of like a devotional to accompany my work. Mm. The chapters are very short and digestible. And it's the kind of thing that I wouldn't recommend just reading in one sitting, even though you probably could, because it's the kind of thing that you really want. You want to allow those things to to impact you, to have an effect on your life. And so um, I've just been taking one little chapter at a time and journaling through it. And there are application and like reflection questions at the end of each chapter too that are um, just a great place to get started and applying what each chapter um, brings brings to you. So highly recommend Joanna Meyer's book, Women Work and Calling. Amazing. Everyone go check out episode 10, 10. <laughs> and um, Women Work and Calling. Well, my suggestion this week, this does not have a link, um, but this week, just to have a little bit of extra fun, again, this past week was Thanksgiving. We, um, my husband and I decided to put whipped cream on our coffee just to have some fun as a holiday treat. And, you know, it just felt so decadent and special. And so I would recommend just taking that little bit of extra time to make your morning coffee all the more special with some whipped cream. I would even suggest, if you want to get really into it, top it off with some cinnamon or cinnamon sugar, depending. So that's my suggestion this week. Just have some fun with your morning coffee. All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners could check out my blog posts at edenandme.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder and my substack at jessicajschroeder.substack.com. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal for articles about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.